Okay, everybody, welcome back to Sports Hacks. I'm your host, Damian Bowman. I'm with my good friend, Mr. Josh Flagner. Josh, how are you? Oh, I think uh, off air, I was just telling you about how terrible this morning has been. So now that we're on the podcast, I guess I should lie and say I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Thanks for lying. I appreciate it. So do yeah. the people. Anytime. Uh, real quick, I know um, we're going to talk about the Browns here for a little bit, but um, and I know I didn't ask you about this, but this kind of just came up in our super secret chat. Um, about Dan Gilbert and uh, the casinos and him possibly uh, buying the Detroit Tigers. Um, and obviously he owns the Cleveland Cavaliers. So do you have any quick thoughts on that? Again, I know this is unprompted, so, uh, you know, say whatever you want here. I, you know, I, I guess I would say that's unlikely just on the face of it, not because I have insight into Dan Gilbert or, uh, you know, his psyche or his finances, but it is an often that those these sorts of things happen where one guy is is you know shopping for multiple teams or owns multiple teams i i know it does happen but i wouldn't call it the norm so at this point i would say it's unlikely it is fishy though that kind of out of nowhere that gilbert is selling uh his stake in ohio's gambling so the the immediate speculation is why would he do that because he's making money i assume he's making money i mean gambling is a profitable venture even if um even if you're not making as much as you'd like to it's not like you're losing tons of money so why would you sell maybe it's because he wants to you know buy a baseball team because you can't own uh, you, you can't have a stake in gambling ventures and own a major league team I, I really can't think of any other reason a man of uh, Dan Gilbert's financial and egotistical stature would want to get out of the gambling game. So, sure. I mean, I agree. That was my initial speculation, too. I just I, until I see more about it happening, I'm not sure that I'm just not sure that it will. So some random thoughts here on this. Maybe not completely random, but um I think maybe he wants to get out of gambling because I think it's going to get to the point very soon where you can gamble everywhere on sports. Um, And I think maybe people are going to say, well, I can't necessarily get to the casino, but I can gamble through fan duels. And that $100 or $200 or $300 a week I would spend at the casino, whatever your casino is, is easier for me to do from an app than it is to you know, go all the way downtown. And I think that that may have something to do with it. Aside from that, um, you know, the other – the Roxino, whoever owns that now, um, was just sold for, or I guess Hard Rock just sold the Roxino in Northfield for a billion dollars to Harrah's or one or the other. And maybe it's at the point where Gilbert can make, you know, a billion or a billion and a half and get out of, you know, what seems to be maybe a declining market um, if everybody's going to be able to gamble, you know, everywhere without any real restrictions. Yeah, I can see that too, and I'm all for in in certain situations taking the money and running. I, I'm, I'm with it. I mean, take take it and get out. I just, I don't know. I maybe that's it. I I, I don't want to argue it. I don't want to argue it too much. Um, it just seems like a weird thing to get out of when you have such a such an infrastructure built that it, it seems like you'd be able to find ways to make that work and make money off of it. But you know, I. I Whatever he can do, if he can make a billion dollars or two billion dollars, and even if he doesn't go buy a team, I maybe he'll save it and buy something else later. Who knows? I mean, I I'm so far out of the realm of of what billionaires are like that I've got no idea. 
Well, sure, of course. I mean, neither one of us are billionaires. If we were, we would uh, we would not be on radio. We'd be on television, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think a lot. I mean, the other obvious factor is you know the Cavs probably aren't nearly or aren't worth nearly as much as they were three months ago or six months ago because LeBron's not here. And if your revenue or um, stake in the Cavs is less valuable, then you have to assume that that is going to translate into fewer dollars going through the casino that you own right next door. And if his ties are is in Detroit or Michigan, as, as much as we think and know they are, that maybe he's just planning his exit strategy. And this is just kind of you know laying the groundwork for that, which isn't anything against the people from Cleveland, which I'm sure people will probably spin it that way. But I think... You know, like you said, I mean, we don't know how billionaires think, but I think if I could get a billion and a half for something I've maybe dumped, you know, 500 or 800 million dollars in and it's still sort of profitable, then I think I would take that money and run, too. Yeah. You know, the, the exit from Cleveland thing, I, I don't think a lot of people would be sad to see him go. I don't I don't think you I don't think you're going to see a lot of stuff painted about how the people are mad. Gilbert wants to bail from Cleveland. I think uh, a lot of people would would probably be happy that he was bailing from Cleveland. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, it, it's not a referendum on how well he did owning the Cavs, but um, or overall at least. But I, I think a lot of people see that there were some issues that, <clears throat> you know, that made a lot of people make a lot of decisions, and not all of them worked out well for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, so I, I don't think, and and plus, don't forget, the public is footing the bill for that Q renovation, which was spearheaded by Dan Gilbert. And I, you know. I don't know what the voting numbers are, but I got to imagine half of the county are probably pretty pissed off at him for that. So I don't I don't think anybody will be mad. I think it'd be fine to see Dan Gilbert go and become become Detroit's Bruce Wayne and and just just get out of here. I I don't know what who would buy the Cavs or what would happen with the Cavs. I mean, I certainly don't want them to go. I think that's the larger the larger mystery though is why he maintained ownership of the Cavs through all of that instead of finding a a way out of there. I guess maybe that's just wishful thinking from a Cavs fan, but if I were to if I if I were to read any uh in-depth reporting about Dan Gilbert, it would be about his Cavs ownership, not about his casinos. Yeah, I just think, um, you know, and crazy me, I mean, I'm going to, you know, sort of stand up here for Dan Gilbert here, which I would never normally do on any other day. But I think, you know, if we look at that um, renovation at Quicken Loans Arena, I think that's all based on ticket sales. And I'm not really sure how much of that is actually coming out of the taxpayers' dollars. I mean, I'm a Cuyahoga County resident and I'm not, you know, on the face of it, I was very upset about it. But once I actually read what, you know, how the money was coming out, like I was like, oh, well, this is mostly coming from taxes that are generated by the arena now could those taxes be used in other places absolutely and that's this is not the place to really talk about that but right um but i think that there you know there's a lot of facets there and i think it, it would be crazy to ignore all the things that he not i won't say he himself has done but i mean him and his corporations have done for the city i mean all the jobs they brought in through quicken loans the company and the concerts that they brought into quicken loans arena and you know all the jobs at the casino and not only just in cleveland but i believe his other casino was in either cincinnati or columbus i can't remember which one so i mean those jobs in those cities are you know a deal that we probably shouldn't ignore and i get there's a lot of people who don't like dan gilbert because of you know the relationship with lebron and i know some people and i'm not saying you just blindly don't like Dan Gilbert because LeBron doesn't like Dan Gilbert. And I don't know if that's fair to either one of them, but I know that's a thing that we shouldn't ignore, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about the Browns. They are 0-0-1. They tied with the Steelers last week at 21 um, in what was probably a surprising front on many many facets. Um, so we're going to do our four questions, except you're going to have to actually answer me this week. Um, so uh, the first question I sent to you this morning is, what surprised you most about the Browns in week one? You know what surprised me the most about the Browns in week one was not an on-the-field thing. really didn't have anything to do with the Browns at all. It was how invested I was in the game. I expected this season that I was just going to have some fun watching some games, and I wouldn't care that much, and it would be fine, whatever happened. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, I... God, it doesn't matter how old I am or how smart I am about it or how logical I realize I need to be with my Browns fandom. I mean, once kickoff happens, I'm just I'm just in so effing in. And I just God damn, I was so mad. So that's what surprised me the most, I guess, about the Browns. The thing that surprised me the most specifically was just no matter how often I told myself that about Tyrod to Rod Taylor's weaknesses, and you know, I, I watched him play in Buffalo. I, I know the things he's good at, the things he's bad at. No matter how how much I just ram that into my own head, seeing it happen in a Browns uniform during the Browns game against the Steelers was jarring. I was I was just so pissed, and uh, yeah, I wish I didn't have to say this, but um. Anthony Lima on the Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lima or whatever this morning, he talked about uh, Tarad's last nine games, and it it is 167 yards a game. It's less than six yards per attempt, five touchdowns, four interceptions, a quarterback rating of 71 in Tarad Taylor's last nine games, and. I mean, we can talk about small sample size all you want for a quarterback of Taylor's uh, vintage, but man, I mean, that's just, it's just not good. And I think, I think I tricked myself into believing that it would be better because the bar was so low and it just, it just turns out that it's not. Didn't we know that about him before? I mean, when they traded for him or however they acquired him? I mean, did we know that he was super average and he was just kind of kind of fill in for a year or half a season? Well, we did. And and I did. And like I said, it, 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 it isn't like I didn't know it. Um, but I think that what happened to a lot of Browns fans, or at least what happened to me, um, is we struggled so much at quarterback. Like I said, the bar was so low that we get a guy like Terod Taylor in and we're excited because he's it's a he's a much more stable competent quarterback than what we had. So when you start saying things like, "Well, oh, he's much better or he's much more stable," I think I think at least what happened to me is I started concentrating on the much and he's better and this is better and I I kind of forgot where the baseline was. So, you know, you watch this game and you keep thinking to yourself, he's supposed to be better. He's supposed to be better. Well, I mean, it turns out he is better because, you know, last season was, you know, one of the, the worst quarterback seasons in history for a football team. Right. Yeah, he's, it's much better, but it's still holy shit. I mean, it still sucks a little, you know, <laughs> Right. so so I think that's that's what jarred me the most. It's, you know, if if you would have asked me what I thought how I thought that he would have played 
two months ago, I would probably come up with about how he played. Like I, I would have given you a stat line that was close to what happened. Um, but just watching it happen didn't make any sense to me because he's better, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, I, I know I'm not really supposed to answer, but I'll just say I, I actually just watched the game this morning because um, I recorded and i busy on Sundays, which nobody cares about. But um, I was actually surprised that they seemed to play the entire game. I know that sounds crazy and I know that sounds on Browns fan like, which I'm not necessarily a Browns fan. But I think that when they were down 21 seven and I think, you know, however many people walked out of the stadium, I think that that team you know, to use a Kellen Winslow term or whatever, soldiered on and obviously tied that game up and played, you know, all the way through overtime and didn't give up. And I think in the past, I think that certain teams or certain parts of the team or, or whatever would have just given up and said, all right, let's go to next week. You know, we, we played hard for a quarter and they're just that much better than us. And I was actually surprised that they, again, like I said before, just played very well the entire game, all five quarters, essentially. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the second question here is, have you adjusted your season expectations up or down based on week one's performance? No. No, I haven't changed my season expectations. I mean, that was that was pretty firmly long game. And I talked about on the on, on the last podcast, you know, I thought where well, I figured they finished with six wins. And I mean, I didn't get into great, great detail because it was a quickie. But it seems like a cop out to use the weather as a reason not to adjust the expectations. But I just I don't think I can. Like, I don't think I can use right. that game as a way to say, you know, I, instead of six wins, we're only going to win three wins and everything's going to be awful. I don't I don't think that's fair. Um, I still think Terod Taylor plays the whole season barring injury josh gordon plays the whole season uh barring drug suspension um i like the offensive line is going to struggle um i think that's all about the same but i would like to see a few games um and not even just in different weather but just a few different games to see how things are and and things how see how all the different facets of the the game plans and the and the coaching staff are working i mean i don't i don't have high expectations but i also i'm not going to scrap everything i thought you know last week just because we tied the steelers in a rainstorm right and and i know we talked about this you and i you know one to one but i actually hadn't realized the browns hadn't won a week one game in 13 years or haven't won in 13 years or whatever it is and i'm not saying that they need to stop playing the steelers in week one but it would be nice if they played someone else in week one and i know why they do this right because it gives you something to cheer for right out of the gate but at this point i think the browns need positive momentum out of the gate and if they play tampa bay week one i don't think anybody would be mad not now i don't know if tampa bay is that good but i'm just throwing them out there sure you know so so i and and like you said i mean I, i will say this like you can't base anything off of this season based on last week's performance because it was a rainstorm and the rain, the weather was terrible and the Steelers were terrible. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had six turnovers or four interceptions or whatever it was, or the bounce had six takeaways, I think. And, it, you know, you can't really judge anything about either team because I think in perfect weather, the Browns probably would have lost, you know, 35 to seven or 35 to 14 or, you know, whatever it turns out to be. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm just being fair. I mean, I'm being fair based on the past performance about the Browns and the Steelers, you know, like I'm not saying the Browns are that bad and the Steelers are that good. I'm just saying, you know what I know. You know, right. like, you know, we we all know the Browns aren't very good, you know, right. but they're certainly better than they were last year. But the weather was a great equalizer for everybody last week. And to come out of that with a tie instead of a loss is, I don't know if it's better or worse than losing, but it's not 0-1. So that's a positive, no matter how yeah. you try to spin it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then speaking of Josh Gordon, um, I think you know where this question sort of came from. Who is actually running the Cleveland Browns, Hugh Jackson or Todd Haley? Or was that just a ruse by uh, Hugh Jackson to throw everybody off? Look, I, I think I think Hugh Jackson is still running the Browns. Uh, I just I don't think he's doing it well. And I also think that Todd Haley is – oh, boy, this is a ton of speculation, and I realize I won't be the first person to say it. But I, I think Todd Haley is uh, the kind of guy who would put a personnel package out there on the first play to make sure that Josh Gordon started just just to, just to try to prove that he's not running the team well, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think it's true. I think, you know, at one point Hugh Jackson in a, in a press conference said that Todd Haley is the play caller. He's the offensive coordinator, but I am going to maintain control over critical decisions. And I think the proof that Hugh is still running the team outside of Todd Haley uh, throwing him a curveball to start the game is uh, Hugh's track record of critical decisions in Cleveland is poor. And I think his critical decisions, the critical decisions in week one against the Steelers were poor. So, you know, fair or not, that follows the trend of bad Hugh Jackson critical decisions. So I would say that, um, you know, outside of the the first play comedy concerning Josh Gordon's starting status, uh, that Hugh Jackson is still running the team and he's doing a relatively poor job of it. And frankly, it's a non-story, right? I mean, who cares who starts? I, I get it. Like, it's the first play of the game. It's the first play of the season. It's about disciplining Josh Gordon for bad behavior or poor behavior or poor decision-making in the past. And I get that. But if the goal at the end of the day is to win the game, you want to win the game. But that said, Haley should not have put him out there. And I'm not expecting Hugh Jackson to waste the time out and pull him out of the game. I mean, I know he sat him until, you know, the end of the first quarter or halftime or whatever it was to prove that point. But – this isn't really that big of a deal. Like I but, think, go ahead. I, but here, here's where I think Hugh Jackson is is just incredibly stupid for this, because it doesn't matter in football who starts. Right. It, it 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 means absolutely nothing. Right. So the fact that Hugh Jackson sits a guy, sits the best receiver, with well, the most talented receiver on the team for an entire quarter, because because of disciplinary reason not even it's, it's not even discipline at this point like he right. just wanted to make a point like oh i'm not gonna have josh gordon start on my team like but who, who are you making the point him? to exactly yeah you're hurting the team's chance to win you're making a decision that retards the team's chance to win why would right. you do that right. why would why would you lower the ceiling of your potential right it how about how no about you just sense. say we're not he's not going to play game one just well, do and, that. And look, and and I that would also lower the ceiling of your team's potential, but at least that's an actual punishment. Right. Right? Like if you if you have a real reason to discipline the guy, discipline the guy. I right. mean, and this this isn't just a Hugh Jackson or Josh Gordon uh, issue for me. It's philosophical. It goes back to the way that I thought that Urban Meyer should the situation in in Ohio State should have been handled. He either did something wrong and you fire him, or he did nothing wrong and you reinstate him. The middle of the road stuff is is just bad decision making. It's and, worse, <laughs> and and that's why I think Hugh Jackson is still running the team because it's more bad decision making. Okay, last question. Browns play the Saints this week. Uh, what's the biggest thing the Browns offense needs to work on in week two? 
So I, I need to see them run the ball more. I, I need to see Nick Chubb get some more chances. I need to see Duke Johnson get more touches. I, th- I think I think he only touched the ball, God, six times or something in the first game, and that that is that's just inexcusable. And also, I mean, look, I, I know Terod Taylor's weaknesses, and and we talked about that in the first question. And you know, his last nine game stats have been awful. And maybe Terod Taylor is not good. Like maybe he's just really bad, but he's still better than Deshaun Kaiser. So here we are. Um, but if you're going to make the guy throw 40 times a game, and he's going to throw 40 times again because we're playing New Orleans at home. And look, if this defense finds a way to allow the Browns to work the running game, then then I'm going to start liking Greg Williams is, is just the end of it. But I don't think they can, and I don't think it's an indictment on the defense or that we have bad players. This, New Orleans scores a ton of points, and they're at home. Um, so if you're going to have to Rod Taylor throw the ball 40, 45 times against the Saints – to throw Josh Gordon slant routes over the middle. To, I mean, do something more than just. I mean, these 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 fly routes or you know these the deep sideline routes where Terod Taylor's just under throwing everything. Uh, look, that's that's a bad look. That's going to cost you games. It did cost us a game. I mean, none of that is good. So if you're going to make the guy throw, um, this is where I think that Todd Haley's game plan against Pittsburgh or his play calling against Pittsburgh wasn't great. Um, even though I like him more than Hugh, I, I don't like those routes being um, uh, on the route tree there um, in those situations. Uh, you know, take the take the potential for for that sort of mistake or at least lower it um, and, you know, run slant patterns. Get Josh Gordon the ball over the middle in space. Like, at least try, you know, I mean, I, I get it that you've got some good athletes now, but give them an opportunity to make a play. Um, Ohio State TCU prediction. Oh, gosh. Buckeyes by two touchdowns. Two touchdowns in Dallas. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, um, I, Ohio State's really good. They're just really good. Um, and, and the way that everybody's looking right now, I don't I don't think they lose to anybody but Alabama. And, and I get it. Things can change. Um, but Dwayne Haskins has been good. I, I think, I think that as long as, um, when, when Meyer comes back, as long as he maintains, uh, days play calling, um, cause we're actually throwing the ball where the Buckeyes are, are using the passing game, um, better now, I think than they have for a while. And to be honest with you, I'm not a hundred percent sure whether that was, that was, uh, because the, Ryan the Day. had a quarterback because of JT Barrett and Cardell Jones, or if it's because urban Meyer just likes calling, um, likes calling that kind of offense where they're, you know, every third and three is a quarterback draw. And, you know, I just, I just don't, I don't like that. I like using the, the quarterback for the passing game and that's what the Ryan day is doing right now. So, you know, if that sticks around, then I think this Buckeyes team has a legitimate shot at a title run. Now, unfortunately, uh, you, you need Georgia and Clemson to lose games in order for Ohio state to have to, um, be able to play Alabama in the championship and not in the first round. Um, yeah, I think they could get to number two, to be honest with you. Even if I mean, I th- don't lose? Yeah, I think I mean, I mean, think if Alabama wins out and Ohio State wins out, including the Big Ten Championship, I think that they could 
easily be number two. I know that this is off topic here, but I think that um, Ohio State could play Georgia in the first round and then take Alabama in the championship. You know, I mean, I could see that scenario playing out. I think the Boy, uh, this is this is crazy, but I think the Big Ten. I mean, I, again, right? We just had this discussion about how the Big Ten is. I always had said this is a basketball conference, but I think as as the season goes on, as we get in the conference play, the Big Ten will get better, and the SEC as a whole will get worse. And I think that bodes well for um, Ohio State. You know, I think yes, Michigan State lost to Arizona State, and I think Penn State's going to be fine. And I think Michigan will pull together. And I think if they win those three games convincingly, and then they beat probably Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship, they're number two. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. Believe me, that would be my favorite. Um, that'd be my favorite scenario if Ohio State beats two SEC teams in the playoffs for the championship. I yeah. I I have I am not as well versed in college football as I once was. Our conversation probably bears that out, but but my man, that that would be the best. I would absolutely that'd be my dream. Beat up I'll, the SEC. I'll say this. I'll say this. Georgia's really good. I mean, they looked really good the past two weeks. So I mean, again, we'll see how everybody is in, in a week or two weeks or three weeks. But I mean, they look really good. You know, I. I don't think that they could beat Alabama right now, but I would not be surprised if it happens at the end of the season. I mean, they're really good. And Alabama's obviously playing well now. And again, they've had one good game or one, you know, power five opponent and one not power five opponent. And I think, you know, everything changes and, you know, we get to November and, you know, it is what it is. But I think that there's a chance. You know, I think that Ohio State plays well, runs a table, wins a Big Ten, beats Wisconsin, beats Michigan, beats Michigan State, beats Penn State. They're number two. Maybe yeah, I'm in. I mean, I I hope for it. Um, I I just I hate. I I think that it'll have to. I'll have to base that opinion more on what the first um, college football playoff rankings, whenever the, whatever week they come out. Sure. Uh, I'm I'm always I always hate looking at polls too early, um, and and not because polls are bad but just you know a lot of times people get so um used to seeing certain teams at the top that they're always at the top and then it's harder for them to move down just because you get so used to seeing teams always at the top so you know when the the first week of the playoff rankings come out if ohio state's still at four uh i worry that they might not get higher than four yeah i think the perfect spot for them in the first uh poll is five or six yeah, I think they'll be higher than that, and they probably should be higher than that. But I think five or six is a is a good spot for them because people will lose, there will be chaos, nonsense will happen, and if they lose and they're five, then it's no big deal. But if they lose if they're two or three, it's a much bigger deal just for yeah. just for the psyche of the voters because it'll be very hard to put them back in because of Ohio State, even without Urban Meyer the first three weeks. Right. Yeah, I understand. Well, I mean, with being without Urban Meyer, the first three weeks are meaningless if uh, Ohio State beats TCU this weekend. So sure. Even if they lose to TCU, like I don't think it means anything. I mean, I know this sounds crazy and I always talk about this, but in 2014, when they lost to who was that Texas or USC and everybody said they're done. And I said, no, if they went out, they'll win the champ or they'll go to the playoff. And they yeah. did and they won. Like that could still happen. I mean, that, that scenario happens. It feels like every year, you know, right. you lose early to a power five team and you, you go, you run the table and everything's fine. You know, so I mean, as long as you don't embarrass yourself the rest of the year, I think you're okay. But I don't think they necessarily need to beat TCU. Sure, it would help. I mean, obviously because it's a non-conference uh, Power Five opponent, but TCU is not terrible, and their nope. offense is really good. And this is the test for Ohio State's defense, and that's what they need right now. So, uh, anything else? Uh, no, man. Uh, that's it. All right, where can the people find you? 
Uh, well, hey, I changed my. I'm at Josh Flagner on Twitter now, which is uh, a departure from I think the last time I said my Twitter handle out loud. I used to be at Railbird J, but I sunsetted all that stuff. It's all gone. So I'm at Josh Flagner on Twitter. Um, if anyone doesn't follow me there, uh, who wants to go there and get me? And that's pretty much it. Like I mess around on Instagram, and I've pretty much given up on Facebook. Seems to be a popular sentiment. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm Damian Bowman, D-A-M-I-N-B-O-W-M-A-N on Twitter. You can find both of us uh, writing somewhat infrequently on sportshacks.com. Josh is on the college football roundtable every other week, and I'm kind of bouncing around doing everything. So I do want to uh, – and, and I have to – I got to get off here in a second. I know mm-hmm. we're already much longer than the last podcast, but uh, – the sports hacks, the college football roundtable on sports hacks, just for anybody listening, if you're still here, boy, everybody besides me on that is awesome. So definitely, <laughs> you're like, pretty good. If you if if you found the college football roundtable because you're listening because of me and you're listening to this podcast, don't go to that column thinking I'm some kind of awesome analyst, but everybody else is great. So definitely go read that and check them out because I'm only there because I'm friends with Damien. That's not true. <laughs> That's certainly not true. Okay, everybody, thanks for um, listening, and then we will we'll talk to you uh, either late next week or early next week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm in. But let's do early next week. Let's do a, a reaction game podcast. Okay. So All there right. you go, folks. We'll do it next week. Thanks, Josh. I'll talk to you. All right. Bye.